Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining. I'm Nicole. And I'm Mark. <laughs> and today we are dishing about Myers-Briggs and just personality tests in general, and perhaps how they can be effective in life, uh, whether it's work or relationships or perhaps even parenting. Uh, but first, a little catching up. Mark, what's going on with you? Not too much, Nicole. I am uh, recovering or trying to recover from an ankle injury from hockey which is kind of depressing because I like to jog and uh, play hockey and uh, not doing either of those things for the last couple of weeks and the next couple of weeks here, most likely. So wearing a boot and trying to uh, physically and mentally recover from that. We miss you on the ice. How many, how many goals did I score on Sunday? Allegedly three, but I asked a spectator and they said they didn't see you score any. So I don't know. Who'd you ask? Ryan Kampan. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Well, I'm dealing with Mark and his injury because he's a little cranky given that he's out of commission. But yes, I Sunday was a busy day for me. I did a wine 5K through the vineyards and I'll quote a runner as we were middle of the race. She said, they didn't tell me that uh, grapes were grown in the mountains. I thought this was just a vineyard. It was pretty funny. Guess you had to be there. But it was a very hilly um, challenging course, definitely not one that I was ever going to uh, PR on, but that's okay. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, other than that, later that night scored a hat trick at, at hockey. He, I can't believe he said he saw none of my goals. Um, and then, yeah, we're just doing up summer, right? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, mid August now. So, uh, hopefully like last couple of years, September, uh, continues the warm weather and we, get more summer than fall in the month of September because otherwise it's going to come to an end here uh, very quickly. Womp, womp. So sad. All right. Well, before we begin, just a quick favor to ask since you like this podcast, please write us a, us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they help us reach more people. So we certainly appreciate it so, so much. All right. And kind of jumping into today's talk, topic, we're going to talk mostly about the Myers-Briggs uh, personality test. And what it is, is a type, it's a type indicator and it's the most widely used personality inventory in the world with more than three and a half million assessments administered each year. And personality for the purpose of the test includes the behavior traits and character of an individual based on the theories developed by the psychologist Carl Jung. One of the principles of Jung's model uh, it is called psychological types. And that is basically that each of us has an innate urge to grow. And part of our growth comes from an understanding uh, individually as to how we operate in the world. And Mark, are you surprised to learn that about 80% of Fortune 100 companies rely on these types of personality tests, such as Meyer-Briggs, to build stronger, more effective teams and healthier organizations? No, it doesn't surprise me because I think that a lot of companies, especially in the last five to 10 years, are really focused on building company culture, building winning teams and diversity and inclusion. And I think that whether it's Myers-Briggs or other similar uh, psychological tools, these 
really help individuals to understand themselves and helps them to understand other members in their team, uh, you know, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And sometimes people know very well their own strengths and weaknesses, but they don't know what the strengths and weaknesses are of those around them. So it doesn't surprise me at all. I think it's very common uh, in today's larger organizations. And what makes you a credible source? I don't think, I think I've shared this at some point on the podcast, but you work in human resources. Do you want to say anything more about that? I don't know that that makes me a credible source. I mean, company culture is kind of a human resources uh, domain type thing. No. Yeah, I think it can be a component. Uh, You know, culture falls across many parts of the spectrum. At the organization where I work, we actually use uh, a model that is similar to Myers-Briggs. It may even be based on it. It essentially has four, which I know we're going to talk about Myers here in a few minutes, but the one that we use is essentially called Insights. And it's based on four different color quadrants. So the, the colors are red, blue, green and yellow and they have descriptive words just like Myers-Briggs has associated with them strengths and weaknesses however instead of having I think Myers-Briggs breaks it into 16 that's more or less what insights does but it breaks it down even further kind of into four uh four colors which I would say interestingly enough people are able to remember I'm a blue or I'm a red better than they can remember I'm an ISTJ or I'm a, you know, whatever the four letters are that you are for Myers-Briggs. So I think that if people, at least in our organization, are are much more apt to know and remember uh, which of the four colors they are versus maybe which of the four letter combination they are under Myers-Briggs. So I think that's just, you know, an interesting concept, same concept, but different way of portraying it, I guess. And what color are you? So typically you lead with one color, although you may have two that are more dominant and two that are more weak. So mine actually stack red, blue, yellow, green, and essentially red is fiery. Red means do it now. Blue is analyze. So, uh, you know, analysis, paralysis, I guess, at the extreme. Yellow is sociable. uh, So involving others. And then green is caring and sharing, more or less. So essentially, everybody leads with one of those colors or maybe two of those colors and has one or two of those that are naturally less inclined for them as an individual. Whatever you are, I think I'm not in reverse. Do you think so? Maybe. I mean, I think the intent of... Myers-Briggs or insights in a corporate environment is really to understand the differences of those around you. So, I mean, in in our environment, in a marriage, right, it might be easier because you're only dealing with two individuals. It might be more difficult, I guess, but it's at least you usually can understand informally or formally what the other person's strengths or weaknesses are, where I think in a corporate environment, you may be in a team of five or a team of 10 or a team of 20. And if let's say you're in a team of five, four of the team members are leading with yellow and one is leading with blue, uh, it may be very difficult for the person who is blue to understand or feel like they don't fit in or have difficulty, quite frankly, in getting their work done. So 
I could give some examples of that in a work environment, but I think that that's kind of the the essence of why it's important in a working environment. Whereas in a marriage, I mean, I think it comes out more through how do you work together? How do you get along? Uh, you know, perhaps how you have to adjust your style. So I think there's definitely similarities between the, what you would get out of, say, a counseling session, uh, a couple's counseling session versus a team building in a corporate environment. You can take these assessments in a team at work or you can take them in your marriage. And the I'd, I'd say the effort or the outcome that's desired is really just to understand your own strengths and weaknesses as well as uh, those of the people around you so that you can adjust your approach or at least be aware of the approach that you're using when working with others. Ooh, you're talkative tonight. I like it. All right. I'm going to tell our listeners, my listeners, your, your guests, my listeners, Jesus and my listeners about a little bit about Myers-Briggs um, as it's probably the most well-known um, personality typing. And so as you alluded to, Mark, it, there's 16 different personality types and there's four different categories. And then when you make all the combinations of those, either ors, it comes up with the 16 different personality types. And the first is introversion or extroversion. And this part of the test describes where you get your energy from through, um, I'm sorry, and though many misinterpret these for meaning shy versus outgoing, it's really where do you derive your energy? So if you garner your energy from alone time and revel in that like self-reflection, you're likely an introvert. And conversely, someone who feels more energized in a group or a crowd is more of an extrovert. Um, And which way do you lean, Mark? Definitely on the I. And me? Definitely on the E. (laughs) Yeah. And with certain um, versions of the Myers-Briggs, it it gives you a graph as to how extreme each of these um, letters are for you. And the I versus the E is the most extreme for me. And I'm I'm nearly maxed out on E. Do you know where you fall on the I? Are you like really an I or are you moderately an I? I do not know how extreme I am. Definitely more introversion for Mark. All right. The next category is sensing versus intuition. And this one is a little bit less clear to me, but sensors prefer facts to ideas and are problem solvers with a habit of referring to quote, like tried and true solutions rather than trialing something new or kind of a I'll learn as you go and uh, kind of like running pilots. Um, on the other hand, those categor- categorized as intuitive often provi- prefer to find new ideas and options and enjoy kind of theorizing um, rather than implementation. So you fall, I forget. S sensing for me. No surprise there. I'm actually forgetting which one I am. Um, I'm an S too. That's interesting. Um, that one is, I think that's one where I'm like kind of dead in the middle though, which I would agree with. Okay. The next category is thinking versus feeling. Often thinkers are more prone to carrying, um, objective viewpoints, uh, as it were, they analyze, uh, and question ideas and solutions before blindly accepting them. They thrive on the, kind of that healthy debate and can be perceived as impersonal. On the other hand, feelers are focused on interpersonal harmony and the people involved rather than the task itself. So on your colors, it sounds like those are more of the green people. Um, and so feelers, they require negotiation and often focus on commonalities rather than differences. And which way do you fall here, thinking or feeling? 
yeah, I'm definitely on the thinking side, uh, which again, probably leans more towards, again, compared to insights, the blue and red. Whereas I agree with you, I would say the feeling side is more of the yellow and green. Which is definitely more of what you're married to. Okay. And then last judging versus perceiving Uh, judges. I hate that word, Um, but they value closure and organization. They prefer to work hard and play after and are known to use lists and calendars to manage time and expectations. Typically, those who perceive more uh, prefer spontaneity and dislike rigidity. Uh, They love to brainstorm and explore new possibilities. So you are a judger. Yeah, I would say definitely a J, especially in the work environment. Uh, It's interesting. I mean, I don't like rigidity in terms of planning on the personal side. So, I mean, I, I, I'm also probably not spontaneous either. It's probably more of just like you force us into whatever we were, we're going to do and I kind of go along with it. So I, it's kind of interesting. I would say I resist being very structured on the personal front. Um, but in the work environment for sure, uh, more structure, more planning. How much do you actually hate that I create a social life for us as a family? Uh, depends. (laughs) It's as long as I have the opportunity to opt out or as long as there's some balance and it's not just go, 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 go. Then I think it's okay. I think sometimes with the hecticness of our life and the fact that things need to be planned, or at least from your perspective, planned well in advance, that can create stress. If all of a sudden the things kind of stack up together And there's no ability to opt out. It's kind of back to the beginning of introversion versus extroversion, right? Introverts get their energy by kind of recharging, being alone, um, not being constantly on from a social perspective. So I think those two things are related. Yeah. So you are an ISTJ personality type and that type tends to be reserved, practical and quiet. Uh, You enjoy order and organization in all areas of your life, including home, work, family projects. Uh, ISTJs tend to be loyal uh, or value loyalty in themselves and others and place an emphasis on traditions. Any part of that? And I guess let me go on to the strengths. So strengths, honest, honest and direct. ISTJs are honest and direct, uh, good at enforcing order, prefer to execute on ideas rather than talk about them. Uh, They tend to be responsible and idealistic. Uh, Some possible weaknesses are stubbornness, insensitivity, uh, unflinchingly rule abiding, judgmental and self-critical. Any piece of that resonate with you most or not at all? Yeah. And maybe just to add, I would say that if you compare that to the red and the blue on the insights, so red is competitive, demanding, determined, strong-willed, and purposeful. And blue is cautious, precise, deliberate, questioning, and formal. So they don't form it in the the strengths and weaknesses. They, I would say they're more like factual or strength related than, than weaknesses. Uh, but I think there's a lot of overlap there in terms of the ISTJ and the fiery red and cool blue profiles. And you're a leader at work. Do you think that your personality type lends to strong leadership skills? Again, I think it comes more to knowing the teammates around you. 
these are really helpful tools in a global audience because as much as we don't like to uh, put people in a box or have bias, you know, there for sure is different cultural norms in different countries or different regions, you know, without getting into specific examples, there are certain countries, certain regions where you just, you would no matter how important or how critical a decision is, you would never get into the decision-making process in the first 10 minutes of the discussion, because you would focus on how's your family? What did you do this weekend? Uh, you know, what are you doing with your summer? Do you have any travel plans? How's your seven-year-old? It is just in certain cultures expected that, you know, you just wouldn't be able to be successful in business if you didn't work through green and yellow colors in the insights profile. Uh, or some of the more sensing and feeling on the the Myers-Briggs. And then you ultimately can get to a relatively successful outcome on the business side. There's other cultures where perhaps you say yes to everything, but in the back of your head, you have no intention of actually doing it. (laughs) And so that's something different to navigate. And then there's other cultures where it's like, okay, we're here to solve a problem. Let's get right to it. Okay. Do you want to do this? No, I don't want to do that. Do you want to do this? Yes, I want to do that. Okay. We're aligned. Let's go. And I think that it's just important to realize not just only in a team environment, but also in a global environment, how you navigate those things. So I would say more successful leaders, again, understand their own personality, the personality of others on their team, and then perhaps even uh, cultural aspects that may be different in one country or one region versus another. And that's something, of course, you can read in a book, but it's really more just a learned habit or behavior. It's interesting. What you just said made me think, and I thought it was kind of crazy at the time, but my boss asked me and everybody on her team a couple of years ago, like if I was to recognize you for a job well done, how would you want recognition? I thought that was a very interesting question. Yeah. I mean, I have somebody who works for me or previously worked for me and he would say, I don't need money. I don't need a title. I don't need time off. Like golf is my thing. Like, let me take off an hour early to play golf. If you're going to buy me a Christmas present, buy me some golf balls. If you're, you know, if you're going to buy me a shirt, make it a golf shirt, right? Like, so, I mean, probably a hundred dollars in, in golf related would go a lot further than, you know, thousands of dollars or lots of time off in this individual or promotions or whatever the case may be. So I think it's just important to understand that dynamic. I would also say that, again, it's really about diversity, equity, and inclusion as well. So it's really hard, I think, if you are the only person in a team that leads with a particular color. I mean, I, again, if I go into a conversation, I'm very much a taskmaster and trying to get a decision, execute it and move on. But in reality, if the person who I'm talking to really just needs to be encouraged and supported and have a nice social discussion about what's going on, and that's going to engage and motivate them to go execute and deliver, then I need to be aware of that because maybe my 30 minutes is better spent talking about, you know, what's going on in their life, showing empathy and care. And then they're going to go and deliver a lot more results for me, which is really what I care about and what I want. 
than anything else. Whereas in my mind, it's easier for me to say, do one, two, and three, do one today, do two tomorrow, do three on Thursday, and that'll be awesome. And you know, you'll be rewarded and recognized for that. Whereas this person might be thinking like, just talk to me about my life for 30 minutes and I'll go do whatever you want me to do. You're talking about my people, Mark, just so you know, (laughs) I'm an ESFJ, which arguably in my research for today's show are the most likable people, according to Myers-Briggs personality tests. Does that shock you? What makes them the most likable people? Well, you're married to one. I mean, I'm likable. Uh, We're known as the caregivers. Uh, People with ESFJ personality types tend to be outgoing, loyal, organized. I don't know about that one, Um, but tenderhearted. Uh, They gain energy from interacting with people, certainly. I could tell this weekend when we had just gotten um, our guests off to all their various places and you came back from running errands and there was um, more guests in our house and I could just like, you were, you were running, wanting to run. And I was like recharging my batteries. I was exhausted. And I was like, give me all the people fair. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think the important thing to remember is again, you can be successful, whether it's in a marriage or at work with any of the colors or personality types, right? It's like how they come through and how you work within them. Right. So for, as, as an example, somebody who's yellow might be like you sociable, dynamic, et cetera. But one of the attributes is also persuasive, so, right? So like you can be a salesperson or a TV personality or, you know, and you don't have to be extremely demanding or strong willed if you can be persuasive, if you can convince other people that what you're trying to do or accomplish is is going to be fun and dynamic and sociable, then, you know, that can be helpful and beneficial in a corporate setting or in life. So I think sometimes people think that, uh, you know, that maybe certain colors are better in certain environments. Uh, but you know, I would say again, in our marriage and in, in our life, right. The sociable aspect, you can be organized. You, you joke about being organized. If it's organization relating to being social, like organizing things for the hockey league or things for your book club or, you, you can be very organized. So it depends on uh, whether the thing that you're organizing is related to something that's, you know, competitive and demanding and, and work related or whether it's related to something that's sociable and, and enthusiastic and dynamic uh, on the personal side, probably more so versus the, the former. I concur. I concur. Yeah. Um, too funny, but, but both of our personalities types say that we're organized. Do you think one of us is more organized than the other? I don't know on that one. I mean, I think we're both relatively organized within certain organized can be, you know, a word for it. It could also be routine. I think we're pretty routine. We have pretty structured routines, both individual routines and collective routines. I listened to your last episode today while I was cutting the grass about chores. So I think that we can definitely be routine. And I think that that can also be organized in a way. If you, if you know what one person is doing and they're reliable in doing it without a lot of verbal communication, then that can also speak to the organization for an individual or within a marriage. Thanks for listening to the show, boo-boo. Sweet of you. 
when you, a big shift here, big pivot, <laughs> back to work, HR, when you're looking to hire someone, does personality matter? And does your organization have any personality tests? I know you're talking about insights, uh, but do you use insights in your hiring or onboarding process? We don't use insights specifically, although I believe that the vast majority of Fortune 500 companies use behavioral based interviewing, which you know usually relates to either an internal or external leadership model. So what leadership model attributes have been attributed to success at that particular organization. So I would say, you know, most organizations are not going to say take a Myers-Briggs or take an insights profile so that we can know that before we make a hiring decision on you um, for various different reasons that just may or may not make sense for most organizations. But typically the vast majority of organizations, at least as one component of their interview or assessment process, is going to use behavioral-based questions, which do, again, tend to relate to specific leadership model attributes that have a demonstrated success in that particular organization. I'm hiring, or hiring, I'm interviewing somebody tomorrow morning, um, and yes, we have a template for that. Um, behavioral interview, what do you call it? Behavioral something questions? Just a generic behavioral-based interview questions. There you go. Okay. That's a lot of questions like, if you were in this scenario, what would you do, right? Or if, if you encounter this, how would you handle it? So it's it's a lot of if-then or situational type of questions that really get at understanding how an individual responds in certain situations. Yeah, the first time I did Myers-Briggs was a part of a leadership cohort through my organization. And I said at that time that I thought it would be really helpful to have team members, MBTI personality types, just like the four letters on their badge or email signatures. I still feel that way. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Would it be, do you do you think that that could improve or help in corporate culture and, or just, I don't know, synergies in the workplace? Yeah, I think that's why the colors, honestly, I don't work for insights. I'm not sponsored by insights. I have nothing to do with insights, but I think that's why the colors work so well at my organization because they actually give you like little blocks that are, you can fidget with. So they're like squeezable, like the squeezy ball that you have, the stress ball. It's like four of those and you can stack them in any order with whatever you lead with at the top. And so in my case, you can have the red block at the top and it has the definition of what's red the blue block underneath, the, the yellow and the green. And you can actually stack those on your desk or put them on your badge or on a leadership profile or something. And I think it's a visual cue, especially I know there's a lot more people who are working from home right now. So it might be a little bit more challenging. Maybe you need to put it in your background or, or put it in your email signature or something like that, which I've seen other companies or other individuals do. But for sure, if it's right in front of you, if you walk up to somebody's desk, myself, as an example, let's say, and I know that my color profile is blue, red or red, blue. And I walk up and I know in my head that this person is green, uh, which is the caring, encouraging, sharing, patient, relaxed. But I don't, that's not the first thing I think of because I'm red. The first thing I think of is I need your help with this. Right. And so, but when I walk up to their desk and I see that, okay, they're green, yellow, blue, red, which is the exact opposite of me that causes me to like, even after I maybe started into my, Hey, let's talk about this. I can back out of it and kind of say, okay, I remember 
that they're really sociable and, you know, that this is going to, I'll be more successful in what I want to achieve and what we want to achieve if I understand those, those profiles. And I think a visual reminder is very helpful. Glad I'm not off track on this one. (laughs) Some people are a bit more private about their personality typing. I know when my team um, went through a facilitated training related to Myers-Briggs, one team member, she's no longer with an organization, but she opted out of participating and she did not want her personality disclosed in any way or her personality typing disclosed. I personally struggle with the why because I, I just like eat the stuff up for breakfast, but perhaps you have a different perspective. Any thoughts? Again, I think it takes trust, right? You have to have trust in the organization. You have to have trust that it's for the right reasons, because certainly if you Uh, maybe you see certain types of people who are successful in the organization. At least that's what you see. Certain people leave the company uh, who are not successful, maybe with a particular personality type, a particular Myers-Briggs, at least in your mind, uh, that can be something that you observe. And, and, you know, we all come to our conclusions based on what we see, right? What we hear, what we see. And so I can understand why if somebody says, for example, I'm green and I don't see any other greens around here, right? Again, back to kind of the the DEI, right? Is that because the company doesn't want people who are green? Is that because people who are green are not successful here? Is that because, um, and, and so there could be like, I know who I am and I don't want others to know that because perhaps they'll perceive me negatively or perhaps they'll perceive that I don't belong here. So Generally speaking, I would think that, you know, as long as everybody has the right intent and as long as it's clear what it's going to be used for, I think it can be helpful or successful. But again, somebody could say, oh, you're doing this personality test on me because, you know, you're going to base my performance review on whether I am competitive and demanding and strong willed. And if I'm the sociable, dynamic person, like that's not going to be good for my performance because I know at company XYZ, they really only want people who are strong-willed and purposeful and analytic. And so I think that it's just incredibly important to be clear what is the profile going to be used for? Why is it, you know, there for positive reasons and any concerns that may exist are heard and explored and understood. Interesting. Very very interesting. Uh, so knowing more about personality types, I think we said this at the beginning is thought to reduce conflict and improve communication and teamwork. Do you agree with us? It sounds like yes. Um, and do you personally think this applies to work and home or one place more so than other, or perhaps even to bring parenting into it? Yeah. I mean, I know, I think it's your mom who says like each child gets what each child needs. I think that applies in raising children in marriage and in the the workplace, right? I mean, the reality is it is does tend to be easier to get things done immediately or feel better or easier with people who have similar personality types to yourself. But there's a lot of data that proves and shows that a diverse team delivers more successful outcomes and more innovation on a long-term basis. And so I, you know, similarly, you know, it might be easier and more natural to, uh, you know, hang out with people in your town who you grew up with, who went to the same school as you and 
you know, grew up with the same TV shows and all of that, but you learn and grow and are challenged by somebody who maybe came from a different school or a different town or a different background. Um, and that learning can be difficult at first, but rewarding in the end. So I think that it's, you know, it really comes down to, uh, you know, what is that dynamic and, you know, how much does each individual feel comfortable with kind of pushing their boundaries and growing versus staying within their comfort zone? Cool. I like it. Um, so you and I have taken several different personality tests. I, I'm a big fan of Enneagram too, which we don't even have time for today. Um, but you know, through work, different, you know, kind of venues we've, we've taken these and I think we've both found it helpful. Um, would you say it's helped to enhance our relationship or understanding to know more about our different, different personality types? I think the models just help in a marriage setting you have to get into specific examples, right? They, they provide the foundation and the structure to say, tell me more about that, right? Or like if you were to meet with a friend or a counselor and we were to argue about, I don't know, pick your thing, who's doing more chores in the household last week's episode, right? I think that a friend or a neutral third party or a counselor or an advisor or whatever would say, okay, Nicole, like you feel like you're doing more than Mark regarding chores in the household. Tell me why you feel that way. And you can use the, you know, personality traits to really understand, okay, why you might be feeling that way or way, why you might be thinking that way. And why from my vantage point or my perspective, I might not see that. Maybe it's a blind spot to me, or maybe I don't see it in the same way. So I think it can be helpful as a framework, but it really forces you to get into how you look at specific examples. Cause if you just stay at kind of the, the colors level or the Myers Briggs level of what are your four letters, not really going to be helpful in a marriage setting. Cause it's like, okay, opposites attract or yeah, of course we're different. But I think if you can get into a specific example and explain why you see it that way based on your color profile or your Myers Briggs and why the other person can explain that they see it their way then that can help to provide insight into maybe what the other person's seeing or feeling and also make you hopefully see it from their perspective. One last comment before you are put on the spot for a dad win. I remember going through these facilitated trainings um, and basically your, your personality is fluid. It changes. And so this is something to revisit as well. And probably a close relationship like a marriage or even a team um, that has a lot of, you know, just longevity and, and kind of the same players things. It's not a stagnant piece of you. Is that fair to say? I don't know on that. I mean, I don't know if fluid's the right word or if it's more you can choose to work on your weaknesses or choose to uh, like, for example, if I, if, if you were to say, Mark, put all your effort into being green, right? Which is caring, encouraging, sharing, and patient and stop being red. I don't think I could actually do that. Like, I, I don't think I could change that dynamic, but what I can do is I can find ways, reminders to try to be more green and try to increase my awareness of when I'm being red so that I am more compassionate or considerate, especially when dealing with or working with or marriage with 
you know, somebody who is at the opposite extreme. So I don't know that it's realistic. You know, it's like the, whatever, the tiger changing his stripes or whatever the saying, the zebra change, whatever it is, somebody changing their stripes or their colors. Like, I don't know that that's really, you know, entirely possible. Um, but I think if you have awareness of it, then you can certainly, uh, you know, work on how you are aware of and sensitive to others who may be different than yourself. I speak for myself and the the two little women that you're raising. We want you to be caring and encouraging to us. Is that well, if you are looking for me to be more fluid, I may be more like jello or, or, or like semi-solid. So apologies for that. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. I hear our dog barking, but before you leave, I'm putting you on the spot for a dad win. So Gina and I end every episode with a mom win, but you're here as so you get a dad win. And my question for you, your dad win can simply be in the recent past, what is the best thing that I've made for dinner or made in general? I know you have like three seconds to think about this, but I'm going to link hopefully whatever it is and put it in the show notes. What do you got? I have no idea, but why does my win have to be you making something for dinner? Okay. Do you have a different dad win? No, (laughs) but I feel a little bit boxed in. I don't have a good one. I'm sorry. I've made nothing good lately. You can think of nothing. I didn't say that, but I'm trying to think of something that like our kids liked and I liked, and you were just complaining tonight about how our kids like nothing. So, well, one decided she's a vegetarian all of a sudden, a vegetarian that likes beef, but not that beef. So I made beef for dinner, but she didn't like that beef. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what's like one of the last things, because there was something last week that maybe two weeks ago that you were shocked that they ate. I was kind of shocked that they ate and it was relatively easy uh, for you to make. I just can't remember what it was right now. Maybe you can, maybe after the show, we can look back through your notes and, or look at your last few posts because there was something definitely in the last, uh, the last couple of weeks that was really good that they liked as well, but I can't recall what it was. I mean, that had to have been the only thing they've liked. I'll have to, wow. I can't remember it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. Any, any last remarks? No, I don't think so. Thanks for being on the show. All right. Coming up on August 21st, we'll be dishing up our 150th episode, uh, all on our top favorite episodes uh, that Gina and I will both be sharing. Until then, please keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram, and check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, please be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. Until next time, be well, and we will talk to you all soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.